This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, please visit blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They ship within North America. This is more geared towards your athlete, but your everyday blue-collar worker works for you as well. Anyone who has aches and pains, pretty much it works for. Very low THC, less than 1%. You will not get high. And the best part is you don't have to smoke it. You don't have to ingest it. It's the roll-ons. It's the rub-ons. It's all that that you put on top of your skin. So no need to worry. It works wonders. It does do the job. Trust me. If you're into nerd culture or you like collectibles or sign memorabilia or sports collectibles, any of that sort of stuff, visit firstroll.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. They too ship within North America. But better for you, American listeners, everything you see there is in Canadian funds because they are a Canadian company. So after the conversion rate, it'll be a little bit cheaper for you. They update daily. So visit them every day. Like I said, they got comic books, signed baseballs, signed uh, wrestling figures, anything you need or want. You go there. They have it for you daily. And if you want to support me directly, please please visit my TeePublic store at tpublic.com or if you scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there in today's description. Click on that link. It takes you right to my merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to coffee mugs to travel mugs to phone cases to COVID masks. Anything you need or want is literally there. That supports me directly. But if you have no money or you don't want to support me monetarily, that's fine. That's totally up to you. But the easiest thing you could do to, to support the show and it's free of charge it takes you two seconds. Most important, I say it every friggin' week. I need some new reviews up there. I need some new five-star ratings. Please help a brother out. Rate, subscribe, review, all major platforms. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So, this week's guest is the co-owner, producer, and director for The Man Lucha, Jay Nadler. How you doing, Steve? How are you today, my friend? How's it going? Going very good. Most people might know me as Hutch Henry's. There it is, yes. Uh, a name given to me by Mysterion the Mind Reader, and that has just happened to stick through all these wrestling years. Well, okay, so before we get into anything Lucha-related, I'm a huge Lucha fan, but I'm not a historian, so I'm not 
Like, I know the main guys, obviously, and I know most of the guys on the indie scene in today's, but if you're talking like 90s Lucha or 2000s, even though, again, I love that, like, maybe you could say that my knowledge started from when Lucha Underground became a thing, because then I was just engulfed in that. I loved the whole, everything about the storytelling mixed with the Lucha, because the whole thing about Lucha that I don't like personally was the, I guess no storytelling like everything is just all over the place it's more of the flips the kicks all that sort of stuff right but lucha underground tied it all together where they brought the north american with the lucha and fused it into one so my first question right off the bat is that what the man lucha is the man lucha is 100 percent authentic lucha libre we are a canadian company but a majority of our main event stars we do bring up from mexico nice I mean, we've had we've had Drago, we've had Aerostar, we've had Hero, we've had Puma King recently. Uh, you know, even smaller names like uh, Arrow Boy, who's like a kind of uh, a deathmatch hardcore guy. Okay, and friends of the company like Chad um, Warhead from Deathproof, he's gone down and worked for Zona Twenty Three. Like, we've got a good relationship. It's funny we don't bring in that many people from the states unless it's uh, Philadelphia talent or New York talent. Everything comes from from uh, the odd, the odd Florida guy like Serpentico and stuff like that, but sure. a lot of guys from Mexico. Now I gotta, without revealing who it is, obviously, because you don't want to break kayfabe that much. How many of the luchadors that wrestle for your promotion are actually Mexican or of South American descent? Um, of our like undercard guys and regular guys, I think only uh, I think only Fuerza. Really. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, who else is actually Mexican? I, I'm not sure. Maybe the odd person, but as far as regularly booked undercard talent okay. and guys we rely on that are awesome, right. I'm pretty sure Ulysses, and I don't know if I'm breaking kayfabe there, but Gabriel Fuerza is uh, the only, I think, actual Latino. Wow. I don't know if uh, Alexia Nicole, I don't know what her background is, but... I think she's Italian. Um, yeah, I, then, yeah, I think he might be the only one. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, no, there's not. We do use local talent. So we do try to bring in main event stars that are from Mexico. But the reason it's a Lucha Libre company is the guys behind the scene, besides myself, are themselves Mexican guys. Oh, okay, Um, that makes sense. You know, like Rob Fuego, who is, I believe, of uh, either South American descent or Mexican, uh, which is not in South America, that's North America, but still. Close uh, enough. (laughs) You know, he ran Square Circle Live, the gym. When he shut down the gym, Marcus Marquez, who is also of uh, Spanish descent, he created, he took over Square Circle Live, and then when they actually closed the doors on that, he started Lucha Tio, Lucha Toronto. Ah, I see, okay. So, obviously, besides the whole Lucha gimmick towards the promotion, there's a ton of huge promotions now in Ontario. you got the A1s, you got the Smashes, Destiny, you got all these. What makes you that much more different, and why should people be going to your shows? Not to say instead of theirs, but even just checking yours out on the side as well. Well, that was the exact point of doing Lucha Libre. Um, even though my partner, uh, Marcus Marquez, Jordan Marquez, he, he's always been a huge Lucha fan. In fact, you were talking about how you're not up on uh, like the history of Lucha Libre. Right. He is. Oh. He will educate me and he will talk for hours about 80s and 90s Lucha Libre stuff that I am fully unaware of and classic guys. It's pretty awesome. Like back in the Square Circle days, he even brought in Super Parka and Super Porky oh, and nice. uh, like Psychosis, like some of those guys who are now retired. Right. Um, so I was really into that even back then. But 
He was looking for a niche. The reason I work with Jordan is he is a brilliant promoter. Mm. He really does. I mean, uh, I've had other promoters say like, hey, dude, how are you doing $15 tickets and getting 500 people? And how are you making any money? And it's like, <laughs> right. brilliant, absolutely brilliant at promotion and at, and at uh, budget man- money managing. And we always come out in the black and we always end up having great shows. And it's because of his love of Lucha Libre, he decided to go with that. Because just like you said, there's Smash, there's Destiny, there's Santino doing his Battle of Arts thing, you know, which, you know, I know they don't have a ton of shows, but they're still, when they do, it's a big person, a big name promoting a show, and they get a lot of those WWE families coming out to Destiny and Battle Arts. People that would generally only go to a WWE house show would never go to an indie show. They get those guys. Then uh, you've got A1 and Smash. All of the like real local wrestling fans and sh- dare we call them marks, they go to those shows. Right. We're looking for the casual fan. Um, so people that are looking for something to do on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Oh wow, look at this! This looks this looks great, Lucha Libre. Right. So the fun thing is, you can go to a Smash show and God, you know, guys like Tyson Dukes and Brett Banks and and Psycho Mike, they work so hard. Yep. And they work really hard to get that fan reaction at a demand lucha show. I mean, we've literally been like, Hey, do you guys like that match? Right. Our next match is a tag team match. And the whole freaking crowd pops like wow. crazy. Really? Because they're not traditional wrestling fans. Oh, gotcha. So, so we really always get a great response and it's great for the workers. Cause guys like I've talked with Fuerza or Lionel Knight, you know, Lionel Knight. Yeah. Lionel loves working our shows because he's like, dude, I can do the most simple, like, played out, done it a hundred times, heel tactics, and the crowd reacts at Demand Lucha shows because they're not used to seeing, not watching wrestling five times a week and streaming AEW and stuff. They're just casual fans looking for something to do. That's true. You know, and I've had people come up to me after a show and be like, dude, I've never seen wrestling before. This is my new freaking church, man. I'm going to be here Like, they love it. We provide... High flying action, right? But we also try to have different stuff happening in every match. Now, do you have? Um, sorry to cut you off, but I just want to know quickly: Do you have intergender matches? Do you have females on the card as well? Is it strictly just male talent? We definitely do. I was just talking with a friend today. He was on my. Uh, he came by, and on my porch, I have a few skateboards without trucks on them. Right. He was like, "What are skateboards here for?" And I'm like, "Oh, once in a while, I spray paint them black and write threat on the bottom, and then I nice. like." Then I like cut them with a saw, put on some trucks, and then Jody puts some dumbass yeah. through the skateboard. You know, sure. so always a guy, and people <laughs> always love that some guy. I just got put through a skateboard. Um, but yeah, intergender. For a long time, we used to actually start our opening matches as like deathmatch and hardcore matches. Oh wow, okay. Because you know we would have two guys like Chad and some other guy. They would come out. We'd have a huge bloody blowout, Shit. and then like, great, uh, that's our like, that's our pre-show match, and then we clean up the ring, and so people have just seen this ultra-violent, crazy stuff, and then we give them like a six-man, multi-man match. Right. So, you're, if I was to talk to any promoter, they'd be like, "Wow, that's a really weird way to start your show. Like, that's like starting off hot, you know? You're hot shot." Right. Right. And I, at first too. But let me tell you, it really worked out. You get the hardcore match out of the way, clean up the ring. True. We'll be back in a few minutes. Hey, now we're officially starting our show that you might start your live stream and the hardcore match would be an exclusive. Oh. And then you've got multi-man match. There then you go. have a tag match then an intergender match. And then your main event match with someone like, you know, a real, 
real workhorse like Carter Mason against some sure. name we've brought in. And we try to make sure our shows are not long. Oh, okay. um, you know, there's a lot of guys out there. Like I love uh, Border Town Wrestling. I don't know if you know Chris down in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. Great guy, great shows. 11 matches on a card. You know? Really? Like, oh, my. I didn't even realize you know, it. Okay. Pierre Doucette, who was running... Um, his wrestling out in Hamilton for a while, okay. which is, uh, I, <laughs> I feel like an idiot because I can't remember the name right now, but we have it on our streaming service. And <laughs> his, he would have 11 matches on his show. Okay. We try and keep it five, six matches, get people, we don't want to burn out the crowd, sure. and we high work rate, send them home happy. And man, I used to argue with Jordan about, are you sure we should set up the show this way? But man, it works really well. Now, before obviously COVID all happened, how many shows were you guys running on a regular? And what venues were you guys running at? There was a period of time we were doing every two months. Then we pushed it to every three months. And, you know, as much as I'm a wrestling fan, it's all about the money. You know, if you're, you know, the the reason a lot of guys like Courage Pro have trouble running or like, uh, you know, Steel City. God, I can't believe I can't remember Pierre's. uh, (laughs) Right now, I feel like such a dick. Um, but he, he only ran for a while because, he, you know, it's tough to make money. It's tough to make money in wrestling right now. Yeah. And so the, if we went four months without a show, hmm. you're advertising for three months. Uh, and I'd be surprised two months before the show, the whole thing sold out. And then we're like, hey, we have some exclusive tickets now on sale. Throw in another <laughs> block of 50. Try and pack Lee's Palace. Get chairs right around ringside. I mean, we've had wow. 500 people in there. We've done really? Opera House, packed room, 600 people. Shit. And I can't believe can't believe it i'm like wow. how the hell do we have all these people that's crazy all fans but because we've been promoting for four bloody months right the act so now we averagely do three to four shows a year mm-hmm. which on the streaming side and revenue side for our, our streaming service is not that great but yeah. as far as our reputation our show burning out fans and always making sure we're packed to the brim it's it's been a great model so you brought it up, the streaming service. What is this streaming service? What's it all about? What could people find there? Plug your shit now. Get it out of the way, my friend. LuchaNetwork.com. Um, that goes directly to us, the revenue. So if you want to support us that way, go there. But we're also on High Spots Network. Okay. We've got a lot of wrestling and a lot of wrestling from throughout the States. A lot of Florida companies, UK companies share their product with us oh, on nice. it. And it is pretty much the best deal in wrestling. Two ninety nine American a month. Oh, wow. You got the months free. So go ahead and cancel after two months like you have most people. But there's a lot of great content there. And we're even, oh, throughout the COVID, we've been putting together a documentary. Um, I don't want to let too much out of the bag right now, but we've been going around interviewing older wrestlers, putting together um, different type of content that will drop on the streaming service soon. If it doesn't get picked up by a network, which would be even better. So I assume you guys haven't been running shows. So has this been your major focus now is the streaming service? been focusing on it that much because i don't have that much new content to put up that's true too so i'm not really promoting it regularly i did do a best of so if you're a fan of josh alexander tyson dukes and the old squared circle live the premier championship that used to be the main title of that brand is still our championship at demand lucha and the lineage is still intact so i did a sub series uh three different uh, two or three hour videos, all the championship matches, every single championship match from the inception of the title and title change and exciting title matches like Josh against Ethan in a hardcore match. Like it's all there. 
that content has been really well received. But as far as brand new, fresh content, there's not much there because we haven't been running shows. So true. So what... Okay, it's hard to say when you're going to be up and running, obviously, because it's all dependent on COVID. But in a perfect world, what's going to be your... Do you have already something in your head without revealing everything? Do you know what, what is on tap? Yeah, we had a September show set up. Got oh. canceled. Oh, oh, shit. We had a show set up for August. Got canceled. This is not stuff we advertised. We're just talking with club owners and a few main event guys. Gotcha. And then when we realized, okay, this isn't going to work out. It's not going to happen. Right. Um, right now, we are tentatively scheduled to have a Halloween show oh. late October at Stacked Market in Toronto. Okay. Um, the last match before we got canceled, our Lucha Palooza event in March was going to be a casket match. Oh. So I, I like grabbed my tools and I built a casket and I painted it <laughs> oh, and everything in my backyard. Right. And so we're hoping we're going to have a Halloween show because then I can bust out this casket I made and we Smart. can do a, a coffin match. Or whatever you want. So I call it a sarcophagus match because I don't think we're allowed to use casket match. Oh, uh, true. Bit of uh, I, I just say whatever I want, but he's like, we shouldn't say that. We're going to get sued. We should, he's always on top of if something is possibly copyrighted, right. forget it. Not using it. You so know what? Smart, yeah, it's true. It's, it saves you a lot of headaches, trust me. <laughs> yes. And that's the only reason why I don't go live because the power of editing, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> right? But I would say. I watch a lot of indie wrestling. Okay. And there's some great companies out there, but I am blown and I don't want to sound like an egotist. Right. I am blown away at the shitty quality of some of this indie wrestling. Yeah. Shitty audio, shitty video, That's single cameras. You know, if you want to give luchanetwork.com a chance for 2.99 a month, <laughs> you will find 100% pristine top-notch edited wrestling. The audio is is absolutely above reproach we've got four or five camera angles all edited it's smooth we've got replays we've got great commentary it is some of the best edited indie wrestling out there and i would never say this about myself except so many people have told me that that i now feel comfortable (laughs) thinking that a lot of people aren't going to disagree with me you want to go check it out you're going to have a good quality product well, you have to be support, supportive of your own product, and you have to make it seem like it's the same thing. Okay, we're talking wrestling, obviously, in wrestling terms. No wrestler gets into wrestling not to become the world champion. You know what I mean? So you got to have that chip on your shoulder, or you eventually get it, and then that's when it clicks. So it's like that with everything that you want to put out there. Because if, if you're not confident, then people are going to see that, and why should they be confident in your product and spread it to everyone else, right? Uh-huh. So it's not a bad thing. Like, I don't know why that, maybe because if you're, an ev- not to say that we're not everyday people, but maybe because everyday people started using it in their lives, it made it seem like you're a bit of a douche. But for people trying to succeed and do something and build and create, no, you have to have that, right? You can't be stepped on. <laughs> uh-huh. And I, you know, for some reason, I feel like in the local scene, you know, if you were to, if you were to name the top five leagues locally. Right. A lot of people are going to say the A1s, the Smash, the Destiny, you know, Demand Lucha can often be lower on their list. Right, but right. I personally find that if you, A1's pretty darn good, but yeah. uh, if you go and you watch these guys' product, I feel like, I'm not saying our in-ring product or whatnot, because we use similar wrestlers too, sure. I'm not shitting on it, but I no, feel no. like our finished, edited, two-hour product is a better watch than most of those products. Um, even though they might have better shows, better backup, better owners, better locations, whatever sure. a fan might want to say to disagree with me, I do feel 
that our finished edited product, I'll put it up against anybody any day. Now, do you think the reason why you don't get the everyday so-called marks coming to your shows is because you're sort of like a themed product and a lot of people shy away from that in the wrestling world? Sometimes. I mean, the hardcore marks, they're there. True. Yeah, they're going to watch everything. They're there and they can't wait and they love it. So at least 25% of the audience is hardcore local fans, people that come to every show. But the other 75% is that casual fan, which is why we're able to succeed. Um, But the reason I I think that people don't think of us in that light is we don't really take ourselves super serious. Mm -hmm. And I think when fans, when you're asked, hey, who's the best local league? You, You think of guys like, you know, the guys who work for Smash... Every single guy on that card wants to be a star. Yes. They want to make it in the wrestling business. If they're not new in it, they've been in it a while. True. Sebastian books are the best of the best of the local talent. Yes, and they does. all take themselves seriously. And so the fans take them really seriously, too. Right. We are a bit of a like lucha cabaret. You know, we have fun. And so, you know, we've, we've done co-shows with Kaiju Big Battle. Oh, shit. So some people don't think of us right away when they think of the local leagues. Right. Well, I guess it makes sense. But again, you need something to stand out. And again, not a watered down product nowadays, but because there's so many stuff out there, like the same thing with podcasting in my world, there's so many different podcasts, you got to do something where people want to tune in each and every week. And you can't, as much as you want to be like the top guys, you can't at sort of, not to say at the beginning, but to stand out, you got to do your thing. Once you get the audience, then you start doing more creative stuff that you were thinking of before you had an audience. Does that make sense? Totally. Because that's what I'm actually, because a lot of people are like, oh, why don't you have so-and-so on your show? Why don't you have so-and-so on your show? I'm like, because I know they're big gets and I want a bigger audience. Like, I'm not there where I want to be because, again, I'm, I'm my own biggest critic. Like, every day I always think that, oh, I could have said this, I could have said that, this should have been edited. But no one ever tells me that they catch these little nuances that I catch. So I'm my own biggest critic. But I'm thinking more of the big stuff. Like, the, like the, the biggest one I get all the time, why haven't you had anyone who's in the WWE? It's like... How do you not know I'm not working on it? How do you not know I do have a relationship? Like, I've had guys from TNA, I'm sorry, Impact, ROH, like, you know what I mean? You go down the line, every other organization but WWE. Maybe I want to save those once I get that big pop. You know what I mean? You never know. So the judgment will always be there as long as you succeed. And again, I'm sounding like I'm fucking an old man, but obviously you're, you're a successful person. But I'm saying for the everyday person that's listening, if you want to succeed, you got to stay in what you believe in and not follow the sheep. Uh-huh. Well... You know, I've, uh, I try to, I never try to argue with my partners. Okay. Um, you know, they have a great idea. I never stand, I'm not, I'm not righteous about, you know, just because I came up with an idea or I want it to be a certain way. This whole thing is give and take. And I, you know, I took my role at Demand Lucha as, you know, I'm partners, co-owner, right. but I know what my roles are and I know what Jordan's roles are. We don't step on each other's toes and there we both... The role he has is a role that I could do, but that he could do way better. And the roles I have, he could do, but I do way better. So we just stick to what we do best. And that's why we've been able to have, in my opinion, what is a successful product. So speaking of, again, Demand Lucha, what else do you do behind the scenes for the company that you co-promote? Well, I mean, every like major booking decision we discuss together. Okay. Um, but as far as my role, like when on the day of the show, um, I always run a four or five camera crew. I have a good friend, Jeremy Shannon, who's absolutely amazing. If anybody's looking for somebody to, uh, run the camera crews or help them with their live shows, 
he is available for other promoters. I'm not greedy. He's a great guy. Nice. Jeremy Shannon, look him up. Talk to Chad from Death Proof or contact me and I'll get you in contact with him. But I, you know, he's the head of my camera crew. I run the four-person camera crew, and once it's all set up, I defer to him. Okay. Then I go and I set up the lights. Then I talk with any wrestlers or referees or young guys that need some direction or if anything has changed. Oh, there you go. Uh, I'd hand a few guys, we talk, and then I get down to hosting the event and doing the live commentary. And recently I have started using, for the last year or so, uh, Chris DiCarvalo, also known as Champ Monkey. Um, he He's my co um my co-commentator now. I used to use oh. the infamous Jake Moore. And he, he actually, I host the event and then I pass it off to him and he announces the matches because he's really good at it. Gotcha. And we work together that way. What, and, okay. Not to say that there's a, the perfect job in what you do, but in a perfect world, if you could only do one of those positions and say fuck off to everything else, what would you be your perfect scenario for you? You know, I would have said commentary years ago. Okay. Perhaps it's, the right answer i feel i excel at it um you know uh the reason i like doing it is since i edit the product if something needs to be cut out or if i need to make a change it's already my voice so i just like change it you know Uh, let's just say there's a bunch bunch of huge botches and i need to cut out a chunk of a match or something because i'm like i don't want you know i don't want to show this Uh, if i need to do an overdub it's easy my voice is already there to do it. So I would always stick to the commentary. I really love doing it. Right, right. But over the last few years, I've really gotten into the videography more. I wouldn't mind being behind the camera. Okay. Or even spending more time in the locker room and actually getting to know guys better and booking the shows. Um, I have done that in the past. You know, I started with Victory Commonwealth Wrestling. Okay. Are you heard of BCW? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So for five years, uh, you know, Mysterion and Buck Gunderson started BCW. Oh, okay. Before they even first show, they brought me in as, as one of their henchmen and people. But very quickly, I found in the wrestling industry, all you have to do is say you're going to do something sure. and then actually do it. And people are like, oh, blown away. They're like, wow, <laughs> That's you did hilarious. that thing you said you amazing. So right. all it took was a bit of integrity and I had a reputation. So. I started producing a television show for Rogers TV weekly. Oh. We would do monthly shows. I would split them up into half-hour TV shows sure. weekly on Rogers Television. And we got a sponsor. I made decent money off of that. The live shows weren't generating enough revenue for Mysterion and Buck to be satisfied. So I purchased and took over the company completely from them and then moved forward. I changed the name not because I wanted to, but because... People would keep saying, oh, yeah, you're that uh, Victory Championship Wrestling. Or you're that, uh, like, Viceroy Commonwealth something or other. <laughs> Nobody bloody remember the name. Right. Plus, there's at least six other VCWs out there. True. So I just decided, even though I hate the name Hogtown, I just went with, fine, Hogtown Pro, let's do it. True. And so when the product changed to Hogtown Pro, at that point, it was exclusively mine. And so... I, uh, I was able to interact with the wrestlers on a much more personal basis. Um, things that Jordan takes care of now and that Buck might have taken care of previously, contacting the wrestlers directly, like, hey, Von Vertigo, hey, Gabriel Fuerza, hey, Tyson Dukes, this is the idea I have for this week. Chatting with them, working through ideas and storylines, figuring out what is going to lead into the next show and the next show and why, you know, well, let's end it off with a run in and then we'll get the comeback neck in two months when he's going to get his revenge. 
I was able to do a lot more hands-on booking right. with the wrestlers because I don't, I'm, I'm not righteous about my ideas. You know, very often I'll be like, this is my idea. And they're like, that's great. How about we do it this way? And then I'm like, that's even better. You know, like I'm not the kind of guy to like be a Vince McMahon. Like sure. if I didn't create it, it can't. Right, so right. I, during those six to eight months where I exclusively ran Hogtown monthly shows was some of the, my funnest times I had in wrestling. So I would really wouldn't mind getting back into direct booking okay. and direct content contact with the wrestlers regularly, you know, spending the whole show in the locker room, watching the monitor from backstage, making sure, Hey, did you see that? They just did the suplex off the top rope. Nobody, nobody else do a reversal. <laughs> Flip off the top rope. Chad just did it. Cause there was times where I would see the same thing, like match after match. Right. I'm like, we got to get a monitor in the back. Oh my God. And I did that with Hogtown, and I found guys would gather around the monitor, and oh, you'd wow. see guys go through a spot, right. and you'd see two guys. Oh, fuck, okay, <laughs> okay, this is working. This is amazing. You know, I felt I had a lot more control. Right. On my product was that way, but getting involved with Demand Lucha and sticking exclusively to the production side of things, and of course hosting the show because I'm a good talker, and uh, I mean I'm not that ugly, so it works <laughs> out. Um, it, taking that role and not being able to have the satisfaction of the booking, sure. it's worked out so well because Demand Lucha is such a well-run product and I know my place and I'm proud of it. But, you know, I like the commentary, but that would be the one thing that I miss is getting in there with the boys and talking about the actual matches and storylines. That's cool. And it's so funny that you bring that up because that's one of the biggest tears or one of the biggest things that people tear into when they don't understand indie wrestling is that people don't talk before. Everyone goes out and it's the same old shit that you see. Like the whole gimmick is super kick, Canadian destroyer, kick out, pin, game over. Like, you know what I mean? And that's typically an indie match nowadays. So for you to even talk like how you are, how many years ago, before even people were thinking like this, is is just a tip off to you. And that's why people should tune in or go watch The Man Lucha once it comes back live. Yeah, it's a, it, it, was definitely, it was definitely pretty fun doing it that way and uh, it, some guys don't react very well to you giving them suggestions right. but a lot of guys do um, I think one of the best pieces of advice I could give to someone that wanted to be a new promoter mm. um, ask your wrestlers what they want to do Oh, <laughs> because let's just say a guy wants he wants a hundred bucks for the night Right. well probably a lot more likely to take 60 if he's doing exactly what he wants true uh, and they're a lot more excited you know, when some wrestler comes up to you and they're like, okay, I want to do this, and then I want to do this to him, and then I want to like interfere in that, and then come back next week, and they've got this big, grandiose idea, and you're like, all right, that's great. Let's streamline it into two shows, not five shows, right. and how about you just do this? Their idea is still there. They came up with it, and they're like, great, let's do it. And now they're excited to show up, excited to work, excited to come back afterwards and be like, how was my match? Did it work out, you know? Right. If you're telling them what you want them to do, that excitement is still there it's just it's not anywhere near the same it's so true and again and especially because everyone's a so-called independent contractor who are you to say what you again you are the promoter but you hired these guys because they already have their style you don't want to bring them in water them down to whatever you want to do and like that's for i hate to say but that's for like the big promotions like wwe and shit right like you're it's not a cookie cutter and that's the good thing about indie wrestling when people say oh every match is the same it might be the same yeah it is but you have so many different types of personalities so many gimmicks so much shit that you would never see on the big screen because no one wants to take that chance because everyone's afraid because everyone likes what they like right 
like there might be one undercard storyline and then there's like the main event storyline sure that would be all that i'm really interested in getting my nose into if you let the workers come up with what they want to come up with you build a lot of loyalty they're happy to come out to the show they're happy to cut you a deal if they need to and they learn on their own when they overstep their bounds they're like oh that was crazy i shouldn't have done that next time i it's a as long as we're always working together and we're not working off of our egos which is hard a lot of wrestlers their egos are inbred i mean you're working on your body you're out there trying to get reactions you're trying to be sexy you're trying to be strong you're trying to be cool you're trying to be the best it's hard you know believe in yourself and have that feed into your own ego but it's if you give guys respect respect their ideas and and treat them with respect with how you talk to them. I'm amazed at, at some of the reactions I can get from wrestlers and some of the work I can get out of guys for not a lot of money. Guys will bend over backwards because they feel like they are heard. And you get word of mouth. Nothing's better than a wrestler telling another wrestler, you should go work for this guy, right? <laughs> and now, well, speaking of letting them do what they want now, this whole, again, this is, this is a freak accident, so it doesn't really happen like this, but the whole Matt Hardy thing, getting the concussion at the All Out pay-per-view and then still going on with the show, all that. Now, as a promoter yourself, when do you don't want them to cross the line? Like, what is your big red light that's like, no, 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 you can't do that shit. Like, I'll let you do a lot of crazy shit, but no, that's stepping over the line. Well, my over the line is very different than AEW or WWE. Okay. My over the line is... There's no way the club's going to let us fucking do that. Oh. Okay? <laughs> fair. You're That's fair. That. We won't be able to run here anymore. Okay. Okay? It's like, hey, Rage, it was great when you threw Fuerz into the wall, but now there's a hole in the wall the size of Fuerz's head, and we're not allowed to run Lee's Palace anymore. <laughs> Thanks a lot, dickhead. Gotcha. So my, my, <laughs> when I've reached the top of my limit in Jordan 3 is when, if we do this, we're going to get in trouble. Right. The fans are not going to react, especially also with casual fans. Oh. They don't like it too much when you plunge it into the front row and they've got their grandmother there, you know? That's true. I start the show by saying, hey, you guys are in the plancha zone. Watch for sweat, blood, and flying bodies. Doesn't mean they're listening. Right. Yeah. Um, my girl, I was just, my girlfriend's family went to an outdoor show with us right. and we were, I just saw them this weekend and they were talking about, well, that show we went to where the guys ended up like right at our feet fighting. And I was like, <laughs> yes. I'm like, I noticed that you guys didn't budge an inch. You're lucky you were one row far, like one, one row closer because you would have had wrestlers in your lap. Right. Like, they didn't budge an inch wow. and the wrestlers crashed down in front of them. And now I've got great footage of my girlfriend's family staring at Channing Decker all covered in blood at their feet. Like, oh, this is great. Is this what you do every month, Jay? Oh, wow. Like, yeah. Next time that happens, maybe move back. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> there's a, there's so it, fans getting hurt, kids getting hurt, right. clubs being upset that you broke a light or broke a wall or broke a something. That's my limit. If it's within exactly. those limits, I let a wrestler pretty much do whatever they want. Okay. Um, I am not a trained worker. Ah. So for me to give advice to a guy on what Makes sense. he th- can get away with or sure. do safely, or even giving them advice on storylines and whatnot, I think that's one of the reasons why I respect them so much. You know, someone like Sebastian Suave, who runs Smash, he's yeah. a worker. Yeah. So he might have a very different opinion on communicating with one of his workers on what he wants from them and how he wants it done. Mm-hmm. Whereas... I would probably communicate with them in a very different way. So if a wrestler thinks they can do something safely and I don't think it's going to cost us money or bookings or things like that, I'm pretty much cool with it. 
Now, the other thing, too, about promoting. Well, first off, what was your first job in wrestling? Were you always trying to run something or did you start off like at the bottom assembling ring? Like what's your so-called entry into wrestling? Well, like I had said before, uh, Buck and uh, Mysterion started BCW. Okay. I knew both casually. So I was like, hey, guys, uh, you're, you're doing this thing. I'd love to do some commentary. And, you know, they both knew me and they were kind of, they kind of did the old slap their head like, oh, my God, you would be great at that. So they brought me in and everybody seemed to like me. Mysterion wanted me to do an English accent and I called myself Hutch Henry's. And okay. I don't do the English anymore because rj city let me know that it was not very good so i was like all right rj i'll take your advice mr uh mr cbc right uh love rj awful and it was hard to it was hard to keep it up all the time you know you're sweating you're yelling you're screaming you're reacting to stuff you're losing your voice and you're like oh yeah i'm supposed to be keeping this accent up but the name hutch henry stuck and that's what i did i just did commentary and literally our first show, there was people in the audience filming whole matches on their phones and stuff. I just went around and said, hey, can you send me that footage? And I put together a little YouTube show. And Rogers TV saw it and said, we want that on TV. And I was okay. like, wow. Okay. Gotcha. We found a sponsor and it just snowballed. It was great. And I've been doing it ever since. Now, did you ever want to get into the wrestling scene? Or like, when did your whole love for wrestling start? Are you a child as a child? Like, what's going on here? Um, my, uh, I don't want to date myself here, but you already said your age, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> my grandfather used to tape Saturday night's main event on beta. Wow. For me. I know beta, <laughs> of course. Go over and watch it. <laughs> and I remember I saw, you know, the 1988 main event with the two Earl Hebners like live <laughs> on, on TV. And I was like, oh my God, like I, yep. my first wrestling was a book published in 1984 that my grandma that my aunt gave me and it was all about hogan just winning the title it was like a hulk hogan picture book sure. so i uh, i am a hulkamaniac kid like i'm like i'm not a bend over backwards huge hulk hogan fan sure. but that's what got me to wrestling um and really funny is i was a massive bret hart fan i love the hart foundation okay. and i can still remember to this day running upstairs and tell oh, 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 Bret Hart just won the title Bret Hart just won the title she was like isn't that nice honey like I still remember being blown away I was like my favorite wrestler oh. just how did that happen you know That's I never hilarious. thought of, and now years later you tell someone Bret Hart's your favorite wrestler they're like yeah 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 you and you and a million other people but at the time he was just the guy I liked right you know uh, in fact my favorite wrestlers were Bret Hart and Billy Jack Haynes oh wow so it's So then, that's how I was just a fan, right? Uh, and I've been a talker, but you know what? What with how wrestling was in the '90s, uh, the concept of me being a wrestler was right. not something you know that I was going to conceive. Now you could be, you could be small. You don't have to be a huge person exactly. to to get into wrestling. But you know, I, I I'm far more valuable behind the scenes. I feel. Well, speaking of behind the scenes, are you ever in front of the scenes? Have you ever booked yourself in an angle? Do you ever want to do a match eventually? Have you been thrown through a table? Um, it's been booked, and then like it always ends up getting canceled. <laughs> like I was supposed to go through a table once, and we oh, ended okay. up not. Um, I've had guys come up to me and tell me, "Hey, we want to end up at the the commentary table, and we want to do this, we want to do that." Right. One time, I got pile drived, but that's it. 
It's like, it's never been, in fact, I've been running, I've been promoting for a while. It was monthly. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, let's see, 2011 to now. So almost, I guess, 10 years, basically nine years I've been promoting wrestling with the exception of hosting the show and getting in at the beginning. I've probably only been in, you know, I don't get in the wrestling ring that often. Right. So not my place. That's their place. My place is, is promoting the show, you know? Um, so I don't overstep that bounds. I think that's why some of the wrestlers respect me. I don't try to be a mark for myself. Gotcha. Uh, I'm a mark for them. If you listen to my commentary, I never put myself over. I always, I, I'm more likely to shit on myself than put myself over. I'm always putting over the wrestlers. And, uh, that's, that's what makes me happy. I like it. Well, and that's how it should be, right? They are the main stars of the show. And is like talking angles. So, uh, Guys will come out and maybe give me the business because they've listened. Hey, I heard last month you said this about me. And VCW was great because I used to do backstage interviews. If you ever right. watch the product, we only had one show a month. I had to split it to half-hour TV shows. So there was a lot of backstage interviews to fill up time in that half hour. And those were my interactions with guys. And sometimes we would get in arguments or I would call them a piece of crap or like what you did last week to poor Buck Gunderson, blah, 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 blah. And then they might come out to the commentary table and yell at me. But it's been very, very low on physical angles. So you mentioned some of your favorite wrestlers growing up. What about luchadors? Who are some of your favorite luchadors of all time? Well, I mean, there wasn't a lot of access to Lucha Libre when mm. I was a kid. But my dad did work for GE. So I okay. was that kid at one of those huge satellites in the backyard oh, that used to move those. around. You know what I'm talking about? Like on yes. the big pole? Yep. So I actually did get a lot of wrestling. And in the mid nineties, I used to watch Portland wrestling. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. And, uh, they, they're back when world class was just at the end there and they were doing the USWA thing. I used to get USWA wrestling and I would get NWA wrestling. So I did get a lot of obscure wrestling. Other people didn't, which is, I think what kind of gave me that, you know, I've got that much more knowledge. Like I'm that much more than you guys. I'm the wrestling fan. You right. never see this stuff. Come over to my house and watch Portland wrestling guys. You know, so, was like my thing um i used to get the odd lucha libre um cmml not no triple a okay but i didn't really know the guys and it was in mexican so i didn't really have or spanish sorry and so i didn't really have a favorite as much as it was like awesome it was just like dude check this out right so yeah i never really had a favorite luchador well it's yeah that's sort of like me because again well being a portuguese background and now being married to a south american woman i understand and speak spanish completely like you know what i mean so to me it's not a, a barrier whatsoever but back in the day i would get sort of like you we would get the cmll channel on like tele latino or something so you'd watch and then all of a sudden you saw the luchadors spring up and ecw wcw you know what i mean yeah. So then that's when I started, obviously Rey Mysterio did all that with Eddie Guerrero and all those other guys. But again, we weren't, yeah, like you said, we weren't brought up on it. So we didn't know. We had like our Stampedes, our WWFs, like even NWA. I don't know, again, yourself being from Toronto, like we didn't get much NWA until it was purchased by WCW. Like, you know what I mean? So we missed out on all this shit unless you were a tape trader, obviously, right? I was lucky enough to be a minor tape trader. Oh. I got some of the, yeah, I got some FMW stuff, okay. some New Japan stuff and they, uh, all Japan stuff back in the day, Lucky you. but not a ton. In fact, uh, sometimes I talk with people and they're like, God, they're like Otani experts. They know everything. And I'm like, I only had one tape. Like how many freaking <laughs> tapes, how many tape trading did you do? You know, like, God damn it. But, uh, now with the internet, of course you can go back and watch it all. But for me, I was like the only guy I knew with a satellite 
And man, wow. that was the end. Like I got to see some cool wrestling that other guys weren't seeing. But you know, I hate to use the word gimmick, but right now, demand lucha right. is a gimmick. Yeah, I mean, it's a gimmick to be different. And you know, luckily, besides myself, Mister Whitebread here, <laughs> the other two guys who were involved in the administrative and management of demand lucha are both of descent. So it's a little yeah. more authentic with them. Sure, but it, it really is a gimmick. It's a it's a way of doing something we love, having a different angle, and throwing hoods on guys is great. I mean, there's nothing better than having a guy work twice and throw a hood on him. I mean, that's True. that's very W of me, actually. We don't do that much in Demand Lucha. Okay. But it's, you know, it's a gimmick. It's a way of having a wrestling company that's not the same as other wrestling companies. So what's the most memorable event you ever put on that sticks out in your mind that you tell everybody all the time? <sighs> most, well... It, as a whole, the most memorable event, I guess, would have to be Vampiro's Underground Invasion. Oh, nice. I assume Lucha no. Underground Invasion. <laughs> yeah. At the at the peak of Lucha Underground, Vampiro, who is Canadian, Ian yes. Hutchinson, he, uh, he brought up Michael Pash, the, the Vampiro Nail in a Coffin documentary that came out a few years ago. Okay. Portions of that filmed at our show when we brought up a bunch of Lucha Underground stars and we did Vampiro's Underground Invasion. He came out to two of our shows before that. He fought uh, he fought Jacob, Boris Brezhnev at one of our shows in a hardcore match. Okay. Then he came and hosted a show we did at the Rock Pile with, uh, with Death Proof, like a co-promoted show. And then for his third appearance, he actually had a Vampiro-branded show. And he brought out his documentary crew that were filming him. Um, I also put a mic on him and I, I put together kind of a TV show. It's actually probably one of the best things to watch on LuchaNetwork.com. Really? There's a half hour pilot that then leads into the rest of the show. And it's really great. We had chairs up against the ring apron. Like it was oh, sure. packed. We were turning people away. Wow. Carter Mason, to this day, that it was one of the best experiences of his life. And nice. he had a match against Tyson Dukes that to this day I still think is one of the most exciting matches I've ever seen. Vampiro was sitting on stage right. match, and they were putting this match on for him. Wow. Um, and it was absolutely through the roof. It was packed. And, you know, it wasn't till a little while later that I started thinking about it. You know, very soon, I, Joey Janela was talking with Space Monkey once, okay. and he was like, hey, you get me on that Luchado, Luchado? <laughs> And he's like, Luchado, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's that company, Luchado. Oh what God. is it? Lucha T.O.? He's like, yeah, okay, Lucha T.O. <laughs> he didn't even know what Lucha Libre was. Right. <laughs> and now he's doing Joey Janela's Spring Break. Like yes. He's branding the shows, and people are branding their shows. You know, uh, the Blood Sports, yes. uh, Josh Barnett's Blood Another Sports, one, stuff yep. like that. Yep. I hate to say this because it makes you sound like a prick. We did it first. <laughs> The Vampiro's Underground Invasion was the first time that I had seen a wrestler-branded show. And obviously, because Lucha Underground was huge at the time, and we used the word underground in the title, that was really cool. But the fact that it was Vampiro's Underground Invasion coming to Lee's Palace, Vampiro is bringing Lucha Underground stars to Toronto. He wants to start a new league and a TV show, and this is where it starts. And the response was through the roof. And that was a co-promoted wow. show with Smash. So the Smash fans came out as well. Right. It was hacked. We, it was the first time we've ever literally turned away 
at least 50% of what we had inside. We had like 600 people crammed in. Actually, I think Lee's Palace was more like 450. It was about as much you can get, as you can get in there. Right. But we must have turned under 200 people. My goodness. Yeah, that, that would stand out in my mind. <laughs> wow. Yeah, our second successful show would have been uh, the Lucha Vacation we just had over SummerSlam weekend. Oh, okay. A lot of people ran shows that week. Yep. We did it on, We did our show on the Wednesday. We had 600 people in the Opera House. Shit. We came out smelling like roses, and that was the last show we've had since, actually. Okay. But that was a fabulous, fabulous show. Packed to the brim, hot, hot crowd. And I would put those two shows up against each other. But Vampiro's Underground Invasion was definitely a shining beacon in my history in wrestling. What about favorite match? What's 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 the man Lucha's Steamboat versus Macho Man? Um, you know, I get you know it might even be that uh, that Carter Mason Tyson really? Dukes match. Okay, hell, match. but I think if I you know we had a forty minute match with Ophidian versus Shane Strickland. Okay, that was a hell of a match. Really? Wow, yeah, those guys put it all out there and it's like 40 minutes and i think it's the longest main event we've ever had and they mm-hmm. laid it all out that show was called swerve we often brand the show sure. for the main event person we're bringing in um and that was great my personal favorite match has nothing to do with the actual match itself oh uh, if if people don't believe me, you can go and you can ask anybody that would be in the know. They will agree because I've had other people tell me, oh, hey, man, don't be shy about this. This is your shit. You did this. Right. Um, we had PCO before he became big, before he came back really big. Right. Um, he was working for uh, Devin Nicholson, Hannibal at GNW at the Great North Wrestling. Right. And I'm showing Jordan. I'm like, check out freaking Quebecer Pierre working up <laughs> for Devin doing planches out of the ring look at this freaking psycho he's back and look what he's doing right. i showed jordan and she's like oh my god we're booking him we booked him um before this was before spring break we booked him even okay. though our show was after spring break so we booked him oh. spring break happened everybody was like oh my god pco is huge so then when our he is a psycho did you see this match with walter oh my god right so then right after within like a month was our show so people rushed out to see it but the best part is the, the commentary table is right by the entrance. And I was I picked him up at the airport, and I was just like, man, this guy is like a freaking weird-shaped monster kind of right. guy. And so because of, he's Francophone, yes. and I thought that was really cool. So my commentary partner, Jay Moore, he's like, where the PCO's music is playing? It's playing. He's like, where's PCO? PCO's a coward. Why isn't he coming out to fight hardcore Channing Decker? He's afraid of Channing Decker. <laughs> And I was like, no, you're, no, then I, you know, and I shit on him. I'm like, don't, you don't know what you're talking about. PCO came through the curtain right then. And I yelled, there he is, PCO, the Francophone Frankenstein is a straight up monster. Right. And, you know, looked over at me and like, was like, nodded at me. was like, oh yeah. <laughs> he loved it. I then went on Photoshop, took a picture of PCO from that match with Walter where he has all the, the bruises on his chest. Yep. I took that picture. I, I, I Photoshopped two bolts on his neck and I sent it to him and said, hey, here's your new t-shirt, Francophone Frankenstein. And immediately he was like, he he still texts me once or, once or twice a month 
just to like chat with me because he's like i came up with pco's frankenstein gimmick and he like ran with it he was like i love that the francophone frankenstein he changed it to french canadian frankenstein because nobody knows who that what the hell a francophone is it's true it is because franca and franca like they were the same franca from frankenstein that's why i said it to be anything other than he's a french monster but he ran with it he loved it and even if you ask him i've posted on twitter hey i came up with pco's frankenstein gimmick and he's liked it retweeted it and like acknowledged yes this dude came up with it so that is my claim to fame in wrestling i came up with pco's frankenstein gimmick Perfect. And I love PCO. He's a friend of the show. He's been on too, and he listens every once in a while. So shout out to PCO. Dude, he's the man. I love he him. He is. He is. He, he, he's just, again, it's always funny that these freakish, hellish monsters that you see on TV are always the nicest guys behind the scenes. Yeah. And you know, to say I came up with it, that, that seems misleading. I said it. He liked it. He ran with it. Of course. He came up. But uh, I'm still very proud. And I, it, the best part is, is that he acknowledges that. So that's, that's great. If he, if he, even once, if he was all like, that's bullshit, I came up with it, I would drop it and I would never mention it again. I'd be like, okay, cool. But he acknowledges it, so that's great. I feel like I can actually say it. All right, before we get into the dumbass of the week and wrap this up, what's the most fucked up thing that's ever happened to you during a show? That you were like, oh my God, why am I doing this? Most fucked up thing that ever happened to me during a show... Well, you know, you've got your computer equipment on the table. You know, you're recording your voice. You've got a computer there. And some wrestler decides he wants to do a table spot with your table. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. You're like picking up your computer, trying to do commentary. You know, so many things have happened to me over the years to think what was the most screwed up thing. I was doing commentary with Joel Gertner. Oh, okay, yeah. He came, he was our director of demand for about six shows or so until we realized that no offense, Joel, if you're listening, that he's basically a useless twat. Oh, wow. So it didn't book him anymore. But he did commentary with me, which he was awful at. I'm like, oh, could sure. not believe how awful he was. I'm like, dude, aren't you like a, isn't your mouth your thing? Like, right. he was awful. But I don't know what happened. I was sitting at the table with him, yeah. and somebody tapped me on the shoulder, one of our staff. They were like, something, they're one of the cameras, like the battery died or something. And I was like, yeah, okay, there's some more batteries there. And I turned back to the table, and my computer and everything was on the floor. And it had, you know, it got unplugged. All the commentary up to that point had gotten erased. And all my stuff was smashed. In like two seconds that I turned around and spoke to this guy, I turned back and everything was gone. And I guess some wrestler had walked past and like caught the wires with his foot and just yanked it all off the table. Oh, shit. So I like turned around and I've got an empty table and all my computers (laughs) were on the floor. And there's Joel Gertner. And I was like, what happened? He's like, computer flew off the table. I'm like, well, that's awesome. What happened? He's like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, God damn it. You know? Oh, shit. <laughs> the most fucked up things that's ever happened to me. Um, yeah. Oh, another time that happened too, some guy stepped on my power bar. And since he was a 300 pound wrestler, oh. my power bar literally exploded. Wow. And my computer and the hard camera plugged into it. And everything just went off. You know, And I'm like, this is how I make money. I'm, I, I also am really anal about the quality of my product. So what the fuck just happened? Somebody <laughs> tell me what the hell happened. Oh who stepped God. on the power bar? And I'm having to go through the footage like days later. Right. I'm like, who stepped on the power bar? Who stepped? Nick Watts. <laughs> Nick Watts stepped on the power bar. You son of a bitch. Like, it's like, no. so my stuff getting wrecked is pretty much the only uh, awful things that have happened to me in wrestling. Oh, then you're lucky. Oh, oh, what about no shows? How do you deal with no shows? Like for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. We've had, Odd no show. Oh, fuck off. Okay. 
biggest no-show we ever had was Cassandro. You know Cassandro? No, who's this? Uh, Cassandro is an extremely famous um, exotico wrestler from Mexico. Okay. It's like liberal, so like a gay, flamboyant gotcha. wrestler. Like, okay. Like, uh, like Pimpinella from... Yes. From, from Lucha Underground. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Except if you think Pimpy is, is famous, which he is, Cassandro is like the top. Really? Like he is... Exotico, man. Okay. And we had him in coming in our main event for a show called Battle Rock, and he just didn't show. He oh, didn't sure. get on the plane. Took his took the money we sent them, like the the deposit. Sure. Decided to want to get on a plane. Wow. But Jordan is brilliant, and we found out that Super Crazy was in Buffalo the day before, and we brought out Super Crazy That's to replace awesome. him, uh, totally unsaid. Right. And it was awesome, and I think it was a much better match with Super Crazy. And see, another thing, Chris, you know, announced super crazy. He was like from Guadalajara, Mexico, 250 right. pounds, super fucking crazy. And super nice. crazy looks at him and was like, yeah, buddy. Like, <laughs> uh, how many times a wrestler has come through the curtain and heard something either that I've said or that Chris has said as they right. come through the curtain and looked at us and been like, that's awesome. That's happened a lot of times if I think about it. So those are some of the best times when a wrestler looks at you in the eye and is like, I like that shit. <laughs> That's cool. That's so cool. All right. Ready for the dumbass? Uh, is it Teddy Hart? <laughs> no comment. He's a he almost no showed. He's the guy who wants his deposit and then wants it again because he spent it and then no shows. You're like, fuck, that guy's a douche. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, it's not Teddy. It's someone actually from China. But before I, I, I get to this dumbass, what about commentating and you got to go to the washroom? How do you deal with that? Or are you already used to it? Do you just go take a leak before and then don't drink throughout the whole show? Like, I know, I know you say your shows are short, but what if you do have like have to go to the washroom? Okay, well, first of all, it's not New Japan. I'm not in the Tokyo Dome. The bathrooms are not fucking like okay. the second. Fair enough. Uh, secondly, you know, I'm not old yet. I still have some control of my bladder, so okay. I'm good to go. Okay, okay. And you know, you have, you know, we do have intermission. Oh, okay. But Perfect. I admit there have times where I've, uh, you know, Jay. When I used to commentate with Jay Moore, he loved drinks. So he he'd go to the bar and he'd right. come with two beers. I'm like, oh, sure. So I'd have like five beers lined up on the table, wow. and I'm in the middle of the main event, and I'm like. <laughs> Oh, I sure hope the main event ends soon. I sure hope the main event ends soon. Oh, nice suplex from Carter Mason. Amazing. Um, come on, Carter. Pin his ass. I got to take this. Oh, my God. Not a real problem. No. Okay. So what's the longest you've ever gone with, without taking a piss? How about that? Do you have a record of some sort? Well, I don't know. If, if I knew you were going to ask this question, I would have done some research. I don't fucking know how long. Uh, basically, I've never had an issue with having to urinate during a show unless I've been drinking profusely during the show. Okay, perfect. And, I find a time to go and do it. Well, I don't know. There's no no standard plan. I just do it. Yeah, I can't even think of mine either. If I would have to say, I don't know, maybe 12 hours, including sleep. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Like, I've done commentary for other leagues as well. Like, with Demand Lucha and VCW and all that stuff, it's close to my heart, and I'm one of the owners and whatnot, so I'm pretty anal about it. But I've done done commentating for Crossfire Wrestling down in St. Catharines, where... It's not my product, so I could be way more casual, and that's what you know. Have a couple of drinks, get up, I'll, you know, get up in the middle of a match, and I go to the bathroom. Screw this! I'll see you there. Like <laughs> I, I, I done that once, so you know, it's fun to be casual. But as far as it being an issue, um, it's not an issue. Okay, perfect. Yeah, because I I don't remember mine. Like again, same thing. Uh, who keeps track of this stuff? But apparently, this week's dumbass comes out of China, like mentioned. 
And he was out partying, he was having a good time, ended up drinking about 10 beers or so, and then fell asleep. Doesn't he wake up with the biggest stomach pain in his life, tries to go take a piss, can't take a piss, can't lie down on his stomach, can't do anything. He was backed up with piss. I've heard of people getting backed up with shit, but never with piss. Like, I've never heard of this before in my life. So apparently this man went over 18 hours without going to the washroom while having 10 beers inside his fucking bladder. What do you think happened to this poor guy? Did he get some kind of blood poisoning or something? Yeah, well, apparently his bladder exploded, but one of the holes toward his abdomen cavity ruptured and his intestines were split and then they were poking into his bladder and then there was all kinds of other complications. The man ended up living. But again, you have 10 beers. Within those 10 beers, would you not have to go to wash them at least once? Like, that's where it baffles me. Depends how fast you drink them, I guess. Oh, that's a good call, too. Yeah, I didn't think, think but, of that factor. Uh, you're an Andre the Giant type, and you're, like, <laughs> down in these beers, like, in one sip. You know, a half hour later, you're eight beers in, right? For me, it takes me a while to drink a beer, man. I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a fresh pint kind of guy, so I don't blast through them too fast. So I've never really had an issue with that. Hey, that actually makes sense, because in the article, they never said the size or stature of this human being. So, you know... A lot of Chinese people are tall in stature as well. Like, you know what I mean? They're great at basketball, right? So it could be either way. They could be either really tall. And yeah, that sort of makes sense. But again, 18 hours? Like, wouldn't you... Again, I, this, this doesn't compute to me where someone... Even if you were huge, like, come on. You want to go to the washroom before going to sleep? Like, isn't that just, like, routine for everyone? <laughs> you know, it, I, I, it could also be your age. I mean, when I was young, oh. I'd be... A- Sometimes I'd go like a day or two and realize I hadn't taken a shit or something or I hadn't, you know, and I'm like, wow, like you're not, sometimes you're not physically aware of yourself when you're younger, you know, you just, just plow through your life. Like if I think about how I abused myself with like late night drugs and drinking and partying and whatnot, and I think, how the hell did I get through that night and still be doing whatnot in the morning? Now I would totally feel it. While I was going through it, I'd be like, oh man, not, not the next day, right. physically while it's happening. So maybe, you know, maybe he's like 23 years old and didn't really pay attention. Uh, you know, it could have been an existing injury. True. Um, and maybe he doesn't feel the pain or maybe he had an injury. So he's constantly feeling pain in his side or his rib or whatnot. So then the bladder just adds to it and you block it all out together. Um, I mean, take a look at David Von Erich. He had a... He died, uh, I mean, he ended up choking on his own puke, right. but he had small abrasion on his, like, uh, I think on his esophagus or oh. in his stomach or something okay. like that, and, you know, he felt some pain and some discomfort, right. but, you know, he basically ignored it, and it ended up being a serious problem that killed him. So, perhaps this guy just didn't notice, or, you know, how many wrestlers I talked to where I, you know, they'll, they'll give me a chop, and I'm like, ow, that hurts. People have different pain thresholds true I know a lot of people that just don't process pain the same way i do i am a full-on card carrying pussy like, <laughs> i hate pain of any sort any kind of discomfort right. of any sort hot too cold to this right. i hate it but i know guys who nothing phases them I know. so perhaps you know having to go to the bathroom or having a pain in their stomach is not something they register register or maybe they're like overly male or just, oh, fuck, what's pain? That's nothing. Forget it. And then they pass out, wake up eight hours later, and they're like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Yeah, well, I'll tell you this much. Just talking about this story, I need to go to the washroom now. So, <laughs> speaking of pussies. Or kidney stones. 
stones or whatever, you know, like the male sure. urinary tract is pretty long. So you could get an infection somewhere in there oh. and not realize it. Women get a urinary tract infection. They notice pretty fast. The male tract is pretty long. So you might have an issue that you don't, you don't identify for weeks and weeks until it becomes a real problem. No, so, that's maybe this guy- so maybe he's not a dumbass. Maybe he's just, I don't know. Maybe he just drank too much. Maybe that's his problem. And I, I'm- a dumb dick, not a dumbass. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> issue, not his ass. Yeah, but we've all been there. I'm sure we all have our stories of getting drunk, but this man's story is I drank too much and my bladder exploded. <laughs> yeah, it exploded. He must have had some kind of blood poison or something. Or like, uh, If you have more information on what the result of a bladder exploding was, I'd be interested to know. <laughs> we'll we'll see. If- happened to him? Like, can he eat or drink anymore? Is well, he had like, a full... You know, well, is with- bring him back to the trauma like i don't know the only thing i know is he made a full recovery so for him to make a full recovery i'm sure everything went back to normal i would assume it's a work it's all a lie <laughs> it's not even real you're you're like wow this is amazing and he's like ah oh, dude everybody believes this shit <laughs> you know what it's so true everything's at work even this podcast <laughs> I'm not even Jay Nadler. I'm, it's, it's, it's all lies. All my guests I've ever had is just impersonators. That's it. Pretty much, man. It's like the same guy just doing a different voice all the time. Oh, my God. That's fucking hilarious. Well, time is yours again. Plug all your shit. Anything you want to replug? Anything people to follow you on the socials? Times, like I said, take your time. Do what you need to do, man. Um, pretty much all socials are at Demand Lucha. Uh, you can go to at Demand Lucha com. So, like, on Twitter, Demand Lucha, that's our direct Lucha, that's our direct account. But if you go to DemandLucha.com, you get specifically information about what products we're putting out. So, that's, like, the streaming service. So, on at Demand Lucha on Twitter, they're not going to tell you that we've got five new events from Chaos, Chaos Wrestling in Ohio. Mm. But on DemandLucha.com, they'll tell you everything, all the new content that's getting posted. So, at Demand Lucha, at DemandLucha.com. You can find me at Hutch Henry's on a few platforms, but uh, that's about it. LuchaNetwork.com is a great place. All that money goes directly to us. If you want to go on Teespring to the Demand Lucha store or the Lucha Tio store, we got some amazingly cool new t-shirts coming out nice. that even I'm excited about. Uh, like we, we put out new t-shirts for every show, so sometimes I'm a bit blasé on them, but some of these new ones are freaking amazing. So check that out. And uh, I guess that's about it. If you have uh, an account with High Spots Network or you're on High Spots Network, you can watch all of our content there. High Spots is great to me and gives me a lot of money monthly. They promote our stuff and I get a lot of views there too. So if you're on High Spots, even if you don't like Demand Lucha, bring it up, mute your TV, walk away, give me that two hours view time. I appreciate it. I'm always telling people, hey man, just you don't have to watch it. Just bring it up if if you already have an account with us or with high spots, just bring it up, watch it, mute it, put it on your side screen or, you know, minimize your window, whatever. Just if it's playing, it's revenue for us, which means we get to bring in bigger stars, better stars. There We're you paying your local favorites, better money. And it can only behoove everybody. If you pretend to watch our wrestling. <laughs> it's so true. I used to do the same thing when I first started, I'd be like, yo, listen, I know people don't have time. There's millions of podcasts. Just subscribe, download, delete. I don't care. I'll still get the hit. <laughs> yeah. I go, I go on indie wrestling.tv sometimes and I just bring up our events and I just watch them. I, mean, I, don't, I don't actually watch them. I just play them. Yeah. <laughs> so, the feedback 
on this and your fans don't find me too uh, talkative, long-winded, or annoying, I would be more than happy to come back anytime you want, Steve. Oh, beautiful. I love to hear those words. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finga Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. And obviously, go visit my T Public store. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. All good, my friend? All good. Thank you so much. No, I really appreciate it. And I will have you on in the near future for whatever reason. We didn't even delve into anything else wrestling, so maybe I'll have you on and we could touch non-wrestling related topics. How about that? You want to talk some MMA? Oh, beautiful. Yes, sir. Of course. I'm a huge MMA fan, so right down my alley. Dude, yeah, when uh, when the Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fights happen, let's get together and we'll talk about that shit. That's going to be freaking psychotic. Right? Perfect. Half or 12 rounds, but whatever it is, it's going to be noteworthy and worth talking about. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. Perfect. On that note, he's Jay. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. <laughs>